Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Hour two underway here on the Zone Sports Network. A very smoky Saturday up and down the Wasatch Front, but a big thank you to all of you for tuning in. It's been a good first hour of the show. We've had people punching horses and Utah Jazz free agency (laughs) moves and fall camp and the Cincinnati Bengals deciding they just want to continue to live up to their bungling mentality. They never want to win another game ever for the rest of forever (laughs) well nonetheless uh the utah jazz as we talked about earlier on in today's show have made the vast majority of their free agent moves there could still be some moves around the edges you will hear momentarily from utah jazz general manager justin zanuck but lundy let's kind of rehash just quickly a couple of things we've talked about they have signed both hassan whiteside and rudy gaze many people know also mike conley re-signs on a three-year deal, and then Eric Paschal brought in as a, a trade from the Golden State Warriors. My overall thought is that the Utah Jazz made improvements to this roster without having to essentially uh, gut or overhaul what they already had. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Where the Jazz, you know, they, they really there's a, there's a tendency in a lot of sports to get just you know, kind of overly cutesy with things, right? Yeah. We saw it with, um, you know, the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, they're a yard Run away the from ball. winning. They're a yard away from winning with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. And what do they do? They throw over the middle. Mm-hmm. Right? The Jazz, in this situation, they handed the ball off to their superstar running back. You know, they, just, they did the simple things. They said, we're strong here. We don't need to mess any of this stuff up. What we need to do is find this area where we have issues and address those issues specifically. And I really feel like they did that, both with the free agent signings, with re-signing Mike Conley, the trade for Pascal, uh, drafting Jared Butler. Like I feel like every single move has been done specifically because they're saying this is a weakness that we are addressing. Yeah, that that, that right there I think is the key point to take away from all this is they know where their weaknesses were, and they have gone out and targeted to find the holes to fill those weaknesses. And that's, hey, if you want a good team, you want a brain trust, a front office that understands their weaknesses, understands where they have those quote-unquote holes, and fills them. That's honestly what you want to see from this Utah Jazz front office. So, without further ado, let's let Justin Zanuck explain his whole thought process, the strategy the Jazz deployed as they went about these free agent signings. He spoke to the media yesterday via uh, some in person, some via Zoom. So here you go, Utah Jazz general manager Justin Zanuck. Hey guys, who's first? Um, can we talk about Jared? I mean, has Jared been signed yet, or who has been signed that we can talk about? The only person we can't talk about is Eric Pascal. And I can talk about the draft pick. Yeah, I can talk about Jared. Yeah, because I already did. Yep. <laughs> you can talk about Jared. Yes. What is it? What does it mean to you to be able to, you know, I know the, all the subsequent signings, but it started with Mike. Was it between where you guys get Mike back and get him back into the fall? Yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, my voice sounds a lot deeper. Um, 
Mike, I, I think I remember when we did our press conference out in Vegas when we first acquired him, did that press conference with him and Boyan, and uh, some of the same things that I thought would happen, you know, his leadership, you know, his ability to unite guys, to connect them. Uh, we were really excited back then, and these two years have been really, really good with him and uh, the opportunity for him to feel comfortable here, see what we're building here, his ability to connect with all parts of our organization community just made a ton of sense for us to continue that partnership. So not something I assumed would happen uh, after we had acquired him, but I, I know it knew that we put our best foot forward um, for him to see what the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake City and, and the state of Utah are all about. And he's embraced all of that. So um, can't can't say anything more, but he, he unites our team and I think it gives us a different level that he's shown here in the last two years. So was there was there at any point between the end of the season and, and you know getting the commitment uh, this week that you guys were like, oh we might lose him or was it kind of you know I'm I'm not gonna get into negotiations. I just think that he knew us very, very well, and we knew him well. And so the things that were important to him were important to us. Um, and we had one of his career years this past year. And uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, mostly Mike's hard work and, and talent. But uh, the ability for the, the organization coach to bring that out, I think he saw it as a good place. Again, I don't want to speak for him. <laughs> you guys will talk to him here when he gets in town. But, uh, from our side, it was just a great, great uh, excuse or reason to continue the partnership. What made Rudy Gay the guy who you want to target with a in the world? Yeah, I think, you know, we do a ton of work during the season. Our staff, you know, coaching staff included and our front office staff that just know the league. And at the end of every season, you always kind of take a look back and what are the things that you need or what could target and those opportunities? Sometimes they come up in the off season. Sometimes they come up through free agency, trade, draft. Uh, Rudy's experience, um, he's seen different programs and how they work and he's continued to evolve his game and into how he fits. And I think he offers things better leadership, toughness, um, size at the core. Another compliment to Boyan and Royce and our other forwards. So I think he'll fit in great. Obviously, a, this was more of a nice to have on top of his relationship with Mike. Um, that was, you know, Rudy's here because of his own talent and uh, him seeing what we're about. And I think he's excited about that. And we're excited to add him. Did his relationship with Mike get any like mind to him to come here? I think it probably gave him a little bit more comfort as he got into free agency and was able to have somebody that he knows and trust to tell them about what the state of Utah is like, the Utah Jazz, and and what coach is like, and what we're all what we're all about. So I'm sure it gave him some comfort level here. But uh, you know, whether he knew Mike or not, it, it obviously didn't hurt that <laughs> with with their relationship. But uh, you know, he's just he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense for our roster. Thanks. The most surprising move of the of the bunch was Hassan Whitehead, and and curious kind of how that came to be, and then what you think he's going to add as you know. In that sure, um, Hassan's got 
huge load of talent. Um, obviously, has had some very, very successful seasons and and uh, highly paid throughout his career in the NBA. I think the role that we had, um, which is a real role, a role every night, and uh, in the event of injury, he's a he's a guy that started games um, for playoff teams. So, you know, on his every NBA player has their own journey, and I think that we've shown an ability here with our coaching staff and our player development and our healthcare uh, group to be able to optimize players, you know, that are about those things and feels like Hassan is and uh, could be a great chance for us uh, to address a position where we can have 48 minutes of rim protection, um, ability to stay big and play big, but also have the other options on the roster and his, his experience and his productivity, I think, fit in well, and I, I know he's excited to get in here. I think Mike Conley and Rudy Gay and Joe Ingles and all of our other veterans and Donovan and, and Rudy Gobert, uh, I think, can help him speed up that process. He's played against us a lot, yeah. so <laughs> he knows us. You mentioned kind of the flexibility you have at the five, and you know, Rudy Gay played a little bit there with the Spurs last year. Obviously, we've got another new signing. <laughs> Uh, trade that we can't talk about, but um, you know, kind of, what does that flexibility give you compared to maybe last season? And are you excited about that? You know, I we trust Coach implicitly, and uh, we we have a very good partnership together to work on helping design a roster that can give our coaching staff and our players to be able to be put in the best opportunity to win, whether that's a matchup. Uh, regular season, getting through the regular season, being ready for the playoffs. You know, most importantly with any sort of roster build is health. Um, and sometimes it requires a lot of luck, no matter how diligent you are about it, players, coaches, health performance. So we just want to be able to give coach and players opportunities to find the best fit possible. So every team every year has different things that you know, can be opportunities to improve on. And I think these additions give us a chance to do that. Who do you hope you got better at this offseason with these additions? I just think, you know, we've done a good job with developing players at different stages in their career, you know, whether it's rookies or guys coming from overseas or even late career parts. I, What you always hope for in a season is just that every season's kind of its own entity and going in you know a little bit of change along with a good amount of continuity some lessons learned and an ability to go forward but you know health good fortune being connected staying connected all of those things are important and our guys know each other they're they're good dudes and uh you know i, I think that'll help the the new guys get acclimated you mentioned on draft night, kind of having Ryan in place, bringing a level of unprecedented spending before. Do you kind of anticipate that this is the level that you're going to be at now? Do you anticipate making other moves down the line? But, I mean, obviously, you'll always yeah. be looking for. You know me well enough there. Um, that's what, you know, kind of what I said when it, what was it like midnight after the draft stuff, and I was on like a sixth Red Bull. Um, the team building is all, this is all part of it, you know, so couldn't say much about it. Not that I knew that that was going to happen either during the 
after the draft, but that's just one part and we'll get through free agency. I think for now it's something where you start looking at, you know, the edges of the roster and two ways and things like that, where there's opportunities to develop or improve or, or things like that. I don't see it as um, we've accomplished the bulk of our work that needs to be accomplished going into the season. You know, obviously we get into the season, we see how things go, you know, everything is kind of up for grabs that way. But for right now, that's, you know, there'll, there'll be a, a few other additions, changes, things like that, but nothing that isn't, that really affects the bulk of the team at this time. But the, um, you know, with the premise that, that you guys have aspirations to win a you know, is next year an important year for, for, for you guys? Every year is an important year, Tony. You know, I, I think we've sat up here and said it, you know, every year, and it, you know, may sound cliche for you guys, but um, from the Millers to Ryan and his, his group, you know, we're all committed to putting the best possible team, given options and things that have gone on on the floor. And so I think these moves have given us a chance to do that. Now we have to go out on the court perform and be connected and stay healthy and compete but certainly it's at the levels um that ryan's shown his commitment um that's not a one-year thing it's just our commitment to building the best roster possible given the vast resources that he's committed to the team and you know trying to use those on a year-by-year basis so long story short yes it's an important season next year's important too Right now, I'm going to focus on you know, what we've accomplished so far on paper, and um, we're excited about it. So, we're going to this season with, like I said before, you know, some continuity, a little bit of change. Um, I think guys are looking forward to having a full season without the compressed part. We'll see what that looks like this year, even though we've had a compressed offseason. Um, and we'll get started here, I mean, what, six weeks? Five weeks, six, five weeks. It's amazing. Amazing. Any other Jared's, sorry, what's Jared's status and will he be able to play in the summer league? So Jared's um, on a full, you know, workout regimen, uh, individually, basically in a return to play protocol from being off uh, in the offseason. I kind of feel like if Vegas was 10 days later in summer league that he'd play, but um, he hasn't had contact in a while, and I don't want his first contact necessarily from our health performance team or coaching staff. There's no need to have his first contact be in like competitive live games. I think we'll be able to accomplish a lot of that in sort of our open gym period after after Labor Day. Sort of those two or three weeks before camp starts. But he's doing great. He's he's uh, you know going full bore right now. I mean, he's chomping at the bit to play, but you know. Patient. Any other questions in the room before we go to Zoom? What you, can I ask about the guys yeah. who've been on summer league so far? What have you seen from Trent Forrest and Chris Burleson? I just, I'm really excited for these guys that have been in our program. Uh, some of them haven't played any games for 18 months. So for them to get on the court in competitive environments, Trent certainly had some minutes this year. And I think um, that experience has translated to him being able to connect guys on the court uh, with his teammates. So teams, our coaching staffs have done an unbelievable job with Jazz Blue, Jazz White. Uh, really proud for them to, to be able to 
show what we kind of know every day, but that they can show how well coached, how connected these guys are. Even in a short period of time, with a lot of guys coming in that don't know our system to be able to play well and a good brand of basketball. Is that good for the room? You guys good? Okay, we'll go on uh, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Sarah? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Justin. Sorry, I couldn't be there in person. Um, one second, Sarah. Let me see if I can turn the volume up. Hold on one minute. That's not going to work. There we go. There we go. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Sound good now? Yes. All right. Um, I know being asked uh, if you feel like you got better is a little bit of a tough question, especially without seeing how it all comes together. But do you feel pleased with the way that the offseason has gone for you? Yeah, I, I do, Sarah. Um, we had a plan that we, we set out to try to accomplish, and I think we, we've done that. Um, you know, you caveated the question as well, just – you know, are we better? I, I think that we're giving ourselves the chance to be better, and we were already very good to excellent. So, this is a long. This will be the start of a long season. Um, that you want to get off to a good start if you can and be connected. That's where the continuity comes in, and maybe even the short turnaround benefits us a little bit because of that. Um, we'll see what the schedule's like. We'll be waiting for that in the next couple of weeks. I would, I would imagine and see what is it truly what it was two years ago, you know, back to backs, travel, all of those things. Um, but I think we've got a group of guys on the court that will connect easily and quickly and be a good product for the, the city, for the state, and the fans, and a good product for them to watch. And also, I was wondering, I mean, I don't want you to try to speak for Quinn, but in conversations that you've had with him, as as the moves that you made progressed throughout the like last week, does it feel like he's excited about what the roster will look like this season? What I love about Quinn, um, he gives so much of himself and his staff gives so much of himself, whether it's the season or, um, you know, especially needing a little break after, after the season, but once he comes back energized and engaged and prepared and, He's just been a great partner for this. So I won't speak for him, but I think that, you know, doing this with him and, and Ryan, the ownership group, uh, I think the results, we've been very pleased. There you go. Justin Zanuck. And interesting to hear him talk about the fact that he, he wants to, well, I think he kind of reiterated my point is like he, he remade this roster. He kind of, re-energize this lineup without really having to jettison a whole lot mm -hmm. yeah you know i i i like how he said it you know we gave our ourselves a chance to be better sure because obviously you know it hasn't all come together the yet, proof is in but, the pudding when they actually get on the court right but you know i you can tell listening to him that he's confident in the moves that they've made um you know it, it really sounds like he and the rest of the front office did their homework. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought this out, and they made very calculated moves that I think have a very high probability of paying off in the long run. They do, and that that should energize you as a Jazz fan to think, okay, this team's got an opportunity. Like The core is coming back. We have two Olympic medalists coming back home from Tokyo, Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles. Uh, huge congratulations to both of them, by the way. The, the accomplishment, especially in Australia's case, four times as the fourth place team to finally come away with their first medal. Really, really cool. Yeah, for sure.
Yeah. yeah. So good times. Thank you to Justin Zanuck for taking the time as always. He's a busy dude. You're six Red Bulls, dude. Jeez. And that may be a little bit facetious, but they work a lot. They, they're they grinding. So big thank you to him for taking the time to speak with the media. Coming back on the other side, we get to our five minutes of segment. We'll be talking about Saki. We'll also get to the 60 and 60. So plenty more. Stay tuned here on the Zone Sports Network with the Saturday show. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I remember one time a good friend of mine and I went to the grocery store and he started throwing things over the aisle to me. And I had to catch it. A can of beans flies over it. I caught it. Then he threw a glass container of syrup. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, uh, it would have been clean up in aisle five. That was a long setup for that joke. It wasn't a joke. That was a long setup for If I would have missed it, it would have been <clears throat> cleanup. <laughs> no. Aisle five. No, that, that wasn't even the Then the, the CSI Miami theme starts. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, uh, it would have been clean up in aisle five. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. It's been a fun show so far. It has. It's gone by quick, but usually it's an indication of how fun it's been. Time flies when you're having fun. No doubt about that, but it is time for five minutes of where we kind of hit the things that are a little bit off the beaten track, Lundy. Uh, and Okay, let's go back. Some people may be tuning in for the very first time. We have a part of this. We call it Saki. And it was actually a brilliant uh, suggestion from one of our listeners, a dedicated listener, by the way, by the name of Clint. Uh, he said, well, if you're going to talk about soccer and hockey, why not just combine them into one thing and call it Saki? And that's what we did. So let's get to it. Let's get to Saki. Open for Saki, where we talk about soccer and hockey. Two 
off the not really off the radar, but they're just not the big topics here locally. Right, kind of a little bit more you know pushed to the side. So we like to give them their moment to shine. Sure. So let's start off, of course, with hockey and Lundy. You told me when I came in, you had a pretty good story here. Yeah, it's uh, something that you don't see very often in the sports world. The story like this, you know, um, I mean, obviously, right now NHL's in free agency. Things, you know, sure. Oilers re-signed Darnell Nurse, so I'm pretty excited about that. But then there was this story that caught my eye. Um, so left wing Evander Kane of okay. the San Jose Sharks, yeah. uh, currently being investigated by the NHL after his wife posted on social media that he was gambling on Sharks games and throwing them. I saw this. It's a big deal, man. Yeah. And so it's it's a very weird, strange story. Um she had made a number of accusations. You know, she wrote in an Instagram story. She said, how does the NHL let a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games to win money? Hmm. Maybe someone needs to address this. She also added, uh, can someone ask Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, mm-hmm. how they let a player gamble on his own games, bet and win with bookings on his own games? Uh, in a separate story post, she accused her husband of spending lavishly partying in Europe and that he had asked her to sell her wedding ring in order to be able to buy, to afford baby formula for their child. Um, he denies all of this. Okay. He says they're in the process of being in a divorce. Uh, he says that she's mentally unwell. It's just a really terrible situation. It's kind of a mess. Um, some of the things that we do know, because, I mean, there's a lot that, you know, there's a lot of questions that get raised from this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, with, with allegations like this. We do know that he does have a, a large history with gambling. Um, in April 2019, he failed to pay a $500,000 casino marker from the Cosmopolitan when he was in town playing against the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Um, the Cosmopolitan filed the complaint in November 2019, and it was dropped in 2020. Uh, in January, he filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And as part of his legal filings, he said he lost as much as $1.5 million gambling at Casino and via Bookie. Jeez, oh, okay. Um, so we know that he does have a gambling problem. He says he's never gambled on hockey. A lot of other players have said that they've never heard him talk about gambling on games. Um, they aren't aware of any players that have ever gambled on games. The NHL has a very strict rule against players betting on games, whether they're part of them or not. Sure. Just it, it, it's, it's a no-no. Right. And so, you know, there's also the question of, well, can a left wing actually throw a hockey game? Because it's, you know, it's one of those positions in a team sport where you don't have a ton of control. Now, you can sacrifice that, you know, you can blow coverage. Sure. Uh, you can commit a penalty to make sure that your team is shorthanded and give the opposite team the power play in a crucial moment. So there are things that can be done. But for a left winger to be able to consist, I mean, that's that's still a risky move, which yeah. maybe lends credence to or, you know, like, I mean, that could go either way with him being a gambling addict. Or at least, you know, it appears he is. You know, maybe the rush of it being like, well, I could still lose even if I try to throw this game. I, You know, it's not a guarantee that I'll make this money. But at the same time, you'd also think, well, if he's 
betting on his own games with the intent to throw them, you'd think that it would be something that he would be confident that he could actually fix the games. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's just a weird story that's that's coming out. Um, we're going to see how this develops. Yeah. Because there's, it's just, there's a lot of questions around it for me. And a lot of just kind of terribleness. I, you know, I, I really don't know where this will go. I'm not, I'm, I'm interested to see what the investigation will turn up. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see if he ends up kind of being, I mean, you know, this is similar to, but a little different than the Pete Rose situation. Well, yeah, but Pete Rose is the most famous athlete right. who's been busted for something like right. this. Right. And it's been, it's been that long since we've really had, you know, a high profile sure. type of thing, uh, you know, in this nature where it's, you know, one of the major leagues, one of the big professional sports leagues, mm-hmm. you know, and a notable player doing that in that league. And so, you know, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a story to follow. You know, this is developing. It, it's only been launched in the last few days that the NHL has started to look into this. It's crazy though. That, yeah. that, that there's some serious, serious allegations in there. There's no very doubt about serious. That. But wow. So we'll see what happens. It's very interesting, and could have ramifications. There's no doubt about that. I'm with you because like you think, okay, this is a goalie. Yeah. Well, a goalie could absolutely throw a game. But you're right. A left winger not necessarily is right. impactful or be harder. I guess it'd be, be harder. But as you said, you can still you can still mm-hmm. influence stuff. Yeah, like it's you know it's it's even harder. You know, I'm trying to think of a good comparison to another sport. <laughs> but you know, even it, you know, if you look at football, it's like well, a wide receiver can still throw a game better than a, a left wing. You know, mm-hmm. because with the line changes in hockey, you know, I mean, he's only in the game for about maybe a third of it. Yeah, yeah, the way that the line changes work and things, you know, and so it's like, you know, if there was a receiver that's constantly getting rotated in and out, you know, instead of like kind of a mainstay, you know, that it would be like thinking that they could throw the game. Yeah, be very, it'd be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. It'd be, yeah. I just, I look at that, I'm like, okay, well, this has got serious ramifications, no, no yes. doubt about that, because you don't, if you make these accusations, wow, you've got a lot to unfold, un- unravel, I guess is what I should say, mm-hmm. with regards to who's saying what and what is actually provable, what actually happened, all of that. Right, you know, and so, and, you know, while a lot of his teammates and other people are saying, well, I've never heard him talk about it, I mean, why would he talk about it in the locker room? <laughs> He's not you know, talking if, about it his teammates. If somebody knew, it probably would be his wife. Yeah. You know, so is she telling the truth? Is this kind of a sour grapes type of situation? Like, we, we really don't know. And so I think the NHL is, you know, they're smart to look into this because it, 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 it if true, this is a really serious oh, and it offense. Needs, you know, it, I mean, it needs to be dealt with. There's yeah, no doubt about 100%. That. Because if, I mean, it's one of those things, they really, the due diligence needs to be done here because if it's, like an NCAA investigation, then it's going to cause further problems because a lot more people are going to start doing it because nothing's going to get done. Yeah, that's that, no doubt about that. All right, so there you go. That's the hockey part of Saki. Let's get to the soccer part of Saki, and that uh, involves Real Salt Lake. Uh, they're coming off a 1-0 loss at midweek down there to the Los Angeles Galaxy. They had a 0-0 draw last Saturday in Houston. Well, they cap off a three-game road set uh, tonight. They face the Portland Timbers. Up in Portland, 
Uh, the thing about Real Salt Lake right now, Lundy, is the fact that they have just been a- unable to generate quality. Well, okay, that's probably the wrong term. They have not been able to generate enough looks on uh, when they're in the attack on offense. Like they just, for whatever reason, they have not been as cohesive a unit as you would like them to be. So they had their. They, there were some chances against the Galaxy. There were chances against Houston. But yet another disappointing loss and a draw going back to those last two matches. You go into Portland tonight. This is a big match considering they're both one point apart from each other in the standings here. Uh, they're both in the playoff hunt. But it's going to be some tired legs. That's the thing about it. You're playing three games in eight days. Some guys are going to be a little bit gassed. But you got to go up there and think, okay, if we can get at least a point on the road, be nice. But we want all three. That's always the mentality. Yeah, I yeah, I, I I know that sometimes soccer teams, you know, it's on the road, you know. Well, well especially well, in Major League Soccer. We've talked a, about this. Yeah, aiming for a tie, and I just that really just rubs me I the know, wrong way. I know it boggles your mind. Yeah, I'm with you on that, but it's just. Like, I understand the strategy uh-huh. of it. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it it's more of a flaw in the way that the system is made than, <laughs> you know, because, I, like, I get the strategy where it's like, okay, one point is better than no points, so let's let's shoot for the draw but we'll win if we can like i get that i just don't like it yeah and see and i i get where you're coming from because we're so ingrained in this sporting culture here in this country that mm-hmm. there's a winner and there's a loser and when you have a sport where you might play you like legitimately might go into a match thinking all right if we can just get a, a tie it goes almost against everything we're taught growing up in the sporting culture of the United States of America yeah it's <laughs> You know, and and to be fair, I mean, it's not the only league that has ties. The NFL still sure. has that built in, and every now and then we see it happen, and the whole country melts down when that, it does. That's the best part. And there are players who legitimately, it seems like every time a tie happens in the NFL, mm-hmm. I thought, we have ties? Like, I thought we were going to keep playing. It's yeah. like, no, in the playoffs you'll keep playing, obviously. You have to have a winner there. But, no, they have it built in where you can still have a draw yeah. in the NFL. And, yeah, it's long enough between ties every time that there's always players that are like I didn't know we could do they get really upset and you know I I I agree with them like it's it's nobody wants to sit there rooting for your team and then have it just end with a well nobody wins yeah it, it it's just it's one of those things man that you'll if you become a fan of soccer it's something you have to learn to adapt to I feel like and there are, if you want to get really into the weeds on this, there are draws that feel like a loss. There are draws that feel like a win. It, it's a weird, weird deal. Here's so kind of tying it back all into soccer. Here's okay. where I think that soccer could learn from hockey. Okay. Because hockey, if you look at like the win loss, you know, it looks like there's a win loss tie, but it's not. Good point. You know, it's you get two points for a win, mm-hmm. you get one point for an overtime loss. Sure. Right, so like, there's still a winner or loser, yeah. but there's a way to come out of it with that one point intact on the road or wherever. That's why you, you have know. the three and the one in soccer. Come on. And now. so, <laughs> like, I like that. But you know, it's, we're gonna definitively find out who's who's the winner. But you get rewarded for at least tying it in regulation. But you still have to keep playing. Well, and that that's one thing. And there's another local team, the uh, Major League Rugby, the Utah Warriors. They they lost in the semifinals of the Major League Rugby Championship. Well, Major League Rugby, they actually have a similar thing with hockey, where if you actually it incentivizes teams to keep playing late into a match, even though they might be losing, 
if you, uh, I have to go back and learn the rules on this, but if you're in within a certain point range or if you score over a certain amount, you get extra points. It's just, it, it's the idea is to incentivize you to keep playing hard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that soccer should move to the kind of the hockey format of, you know, all right, well, you lost in overtime, so here's your point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but if you win in overtime, it, a win is a win is a win. There's no, you know, it doesn't get put in a separate column. <laughs> yeah. It gets put straight into the win column. It's overtime. It's a win. It doesn't matter. You get your full points. Sure. You get the win. Overtime loss, it's like, okay, well, you lost still, but, you know, good effort. Yeah. No, it just it, it's one of those things, man. And I'm with you. I'd like to see soccer maybe look into something like that because I think it would help with the perception and just the overall popularity of the sport here, lo- here, here locally. Because it's you, the world sport. We yeah. all know that. If you tried to implement like the hockey formula in oh Europe, you'd probably get riots. Yeah, you're not 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 going to go over well. Yeah, let's put no. it that way. So, uh, are we, Jeff? You know this probably better than I. Are we two weeks away from uh, Premier League restarting? Premier League starts August 13th. Okay, so we're a week away. So it's a week. All right. Yep. So we're next so week. We're, we're getting ready to go. So there you go. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, we meant to get to the 1660, but you know it's all right. We got. Yeah. Some good soccer and hockey talk in there. All right. On the other side, though, we will. Yeah, we did. We did hit soccer. There's no doubt about it. We will wrap up today's show coming up next. Final thoughts, all that fun jazz. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. This is DJ and PK. Time to talk BYU football with Darnell Dixon, columnist for the Daily Herald. You're moving around town. You're talking to BYU football fans. What do you think? Are people pretty well dialed in on this team? It depends on who you talk to. I think that most people realize this is going to be a very challenging year, replacing the guys that left, and the schedule's tougher. And I feel like most people are expecting in his sixth year that Kalani Sataki will have his program to the point where he can absorb some of those losses and keep the team at a high level. Does that mean nine wins? Does that mean eight wins? That depends on who you talk to. But I think people are still kind of riding that wave from the success the Cougars had last year. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Final segment of the Saturday show here on this Saturday afternoon. And we were just uh, watching Olympics, and karate uh, was in was on. It was a replay of an event that took place. A lot of this stuff is happening overnight here in the United States. Uh, but we were watching a guy so from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia uh, taking on an athlete from uh, Iran, uh, Sahad Ganjazeta, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, they were competing in the men's over 70 kilogram final of karate. And karate is a new sport to the Olympics this year. It's uh, kind of cool what the Olympic Committee's do. Uh, the IOC is now doing is you're letting uh, the local community pick up to five sports. They put karate in here because well, it's ancestral home of karate there in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they had uh, two athletes. So the one from Saudi Arabia was Tarek Hamedi. Uh, we, and I was watching it as it happened. He kicked the guy from Iran in the head, and the guy from Iran just went down. Like, 
knocked out. I was like, if it was UFC, the referee would have just rushed in and just waved it off. It's over. Well, they can't, but all of a sudden, Alex and I, all of a sudden, they're bringing a stretcher out, the oxygen mask on the guy, like the neck brace. Pretty serious, honestly. So I, I looked it up to find out what exactly happened. Well, the guy from Iran actually won the gold medal. Yeah, the guy who got knocked out won the gold medal because the guy from Saudi Arabia, uh, he had been he was up four one in their match, uh, was leading the bout, but the kick it was a, considered a high kick and against the rules of oh, Olympic man. karate, and he was disqualified, uh, thereby giving uh, the guy from Iran, the athlete from Iran, the gold medal, even though he was unconscious. Wow. Uh, but it's, okay, and I guess it has, it has a positive news though. So it says after a few minutes of discussion among the officials on the sidelines, referee called the match for Ganjazeta by disqualifying Hamedi for an unchecked attack, which is not allowed under karate's Olympic rules. Uh, the athlete from Iran, Ganjazeta, later returned for the medal ceremony, walking normally though. Okay, that's good. So that has a, I guess, an ultimately positive outcome considering he was not seriously injured. Uh, Hamedi from Saudi Arabia said he was unhappy with the decision by the officials, obviously, but they both accepted their medals and have moved on. So crazy times. Yeah. That's, yeah, watching the replay of it here without knowing the story, that was that was crazy. I mean, it looked rather you know, serious because they they yeah. brought the neck brace, they brought the backboard, the whole deal. Yeah, it was it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, like you know, and I didn't know that it was the gold medal round, any of that kind of stuff. That you know, and I I had mentioned to you the fact that they weren't showing a replay was concerning. Yeah, because typically they'll show just about anything, but the really graphic things they'll stay away from, and so you know the really serious things as well. So the fact that he was laying on the ground needed to be stretchered off, and they weren't showing replays of what happened. I, uh, I did not imagine, yeah, that it ended with him walking out to receive a gold. So that's good. Oh, so they're disqualifying him right here. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quickly, just one other note uh, in karate: the women's gold medal in the sixty-one kilogram or over category actually went to Egypt's Fariel Abdelaziz, who won her sec- her country's second gold medal since nineteen forty-eight. So congratulations to her. Got a little bit of a history, historical note there. But all right. So didn't necessarily plan on talking about yeah. karate to finish out today's show, but it was a little bit of an interesting story. All right, Lenny, any final thoughts from you before we go? You know, I just I can't wait for football. That's like basically all that uh, that's occupying 90% of my brain space right now. Like it's just I'm I'm amped. I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I can feel it pumping through my veins. If and you ask Mrs. Hatch, uh, she would say that most of the year that's how, kind of how my brain works. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been spending so much of my time just watching, you know, highlight videos on YouTube and just getting pumped. Three weeks from today, in theory, we should be having football on our TV. Yeah, isn't that the week zero matchups? Week zero matchups. I think Hawaii UCLA is one of them. Yeah. So. All right, well, it'll be fun regardless. We're looking forward to it. We'll continue to keep you covered each week here on Saturday. Keep it tuned here to The Zone throughout the week. DJ and PK, Hans and Scotty and The Big Show will have you covered from sunup to sundown on that front. Of course, we'll be back next Saturday right here on The Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. See ya.